And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with us today is Dr. E. Calvin Beisner. And Cal, it's an honor to have you on with us again today. Well, thanks so much, Dan. I always enjoy doing the programs with you and appreciate your allowing myself and Cornwall Alliance for the Stewardship of Creation an opportunity to speak with your listeners. Yeah, we're on your uh, mailing list, and it's always interesting to see what article you're uh, sharing with us. And uh, a little while back, there was an article that you had written for the American Spectator. had an interesting title to it. Uh, it was A Sad Tale of a Wealthy Millennial's Moral Confusion uh, with Striking Parallels to Biblical Parables on Wealth. And that's an interesting article coming from Cornwall Alliance. Usually you're talking about climate change and, you know, some of the aspects of that and how to have good stewardship for the earth. But this does tie in in an important way. So maybe you can explain. This article starts off with a quote. It says, A few years back, my wife heard a young woman share that she felt guilty for being able to go out to dinner with friends in Chicago, dot, dot, dot. Maybe you can take it from there. Yeah. Well, this was a young woman who had immigrated to America from South Africa, and as she was out to dinner with her friends, uh, she thought about her mother, still living back in South Africa, who pretty much ordinarily from day to day had a difficult time just scraping together enough to be able to have adequate food. And the, the young lady felt guilty about that. She told her mother that on the phone, and her mother responded in a way that totally surprised her. Her mother said, how dare you spit in God's face? <laughs> and went on to say, you know, this, this ability of yours to go out and enjoy a good dinner with your friends, this is a blessing from God. Don't you dare. Uh, fail to receive that as God's blessing and to enjoy it. And of course, I mean, pray for me as you're able, give me some assistance. Uh, uh, those sorts of things are fine, but don't feel guilty for the wealth that God has given you. And I started off by referring to that story because it actually came to my mind immediately as I began reading uh, an article by Adam Roberts, which had appeared in Vox, uh, Roberts is a young man, mid-30s, who inherited over a million dollars from his parents, and he had begun to feel guilty about having inherited that wealth. Uh, he thought that there was something desperately wrong with a society in which some people could be wealthy while others were very poor, and uh, consequently, he had decided he needs to give away uh, all of what he had inherited. He has so far given away about a third of it, and he intends to give away the rest. Now, I should say that I actually admire Adam Roberts's compassion. I admire his willingness to sacrifice uh, his own comfort, his own uh, safety and security for the sake of helping others. I think those are very, very virtuous uh, attitudes in him. What troubles me is the confusion he shows in thinking that there is something immoral about his having wealth and others not having wealth. Uh, and that, I think, is rooted in a, a terrible misunderstanding of the meaning of justice. Uh, the, the social justice movement, socialism itself, 
tends to think that justice means some sort of a an equality of condition among all people. There should be no significant inequalities of wealth. Where there are, where there are they are unjust. And I think uh, instead, the Bible defines justice, and I developed this over a period of, oh, 20 years of study of the, the use of the word justice in the Bible. Uh, the Bible defines justice by, by saying that uh, Justice means rendering impartially, we don't play favorites, and proportionally uh, what, we, what we do when, when we uh, punish someone for a crime should, should be proportional to the crime, or when we reward someone for a good deed, it should be proportional to the good deed. Uh, rendering impartially and proportionally to everyone his due in accord with the righteous standards of God's moral law. That's justice. And unfortunately, I think that uh, Mr. Roberts uh, has a mistaken understanding of justice. And because of that, he also has a mistaken understanding of compassion. He thinks that compassion can be forced, whereas in fact, true compassion, true charity must be voluntary. And so he supports the idea that we should have a government-imposed economic order that doesn't allow people to amass great, great wealth, and that when people do uh, produce great wealth, the government should take it from them and give it to others who do not produce it. Uh, that, I think, is, is uh, not only uh, contrary to biblical morality, to true morality, but also is very destructive and never, <laughs> never has, has good results. Uh, because frankly, if you don't allow people to benefit from their, their hard work, uh, they aren't likely to work very hard. And if we wonder what economic system has lifted vast numbers of people out of poverty and keeps them out of it, the answer is an economic system that, that uh, affirms private property rights, entrepreneurship, free trade, limited government, and the rule of law. It is not an economic system that denies all of those. The former is what we know as capitalism. The latter is what we know as socialism. Yes. Yeah, it's a fascinating article you wrote, and you shared further that uh, this gentleman, Adam Roberts, he's apparently started feeling guilty over the fact also that his family had gained their wealth through the oil industry, banking, and stock in companies that built things for the military. Yes. Are any of these necessarily evil, and is this a reason to feel guilt? No, I don't think this is a reason to feel guilt at all. Uh, the oil industry, for instance, has brought enormous benefit to the world. Not only, of course, the energy that we get from oil that moves our cars and trucks and ships and planes, uh, carrying people and uh, products, food, clothing, uh, everything that we use uh, across vast distances uh, for, for uh, little cost. Uh, oil is tremendously beneficial that way, but also we make thousands of other products from oil. Uh, for instance, we can, we have the choice. We can, we can uh, package, say, milk in cardboard paper sort of uh, containers, 
or we can package it in plastic. Well, the plastic containers can be much thinner and much, much lighter. As a result, uh, they can be transported much more cheaply, meaning that the milk is affordable to more people. Uh, furthermore, those, those plastics can be reused over and over again, whereas the paper containers can only be reused once or twice. Uh, we, make, uh, we make many different medicines out of uh, the byproducts of, of oil. Uh, we also make fertilizers out of it and pesticides, and those allow us to grow more food on less land, making food more affordable for the poor at the same time that we're preserving more land for wildlife. So oil has been a tremendous boon to humanity, and it still is, and it should continue to be that for many decades, perhaps centuries to come. Uh, the sad thing is that some people focus only on the risks that come with using oil, and they forget about the benefits. But the benefits clearly greatly outweigh the risks. So there was nothing wrong with his parents and his grandparents having, having amassed some of their wealth through investments in uh, oil companies. Yeah. Similarly, uh, you know, he's upset that his his ancestors amassed some of their wealth through companies that made uh, made items used by the military. Well, would he prefer that Adolf Hitler had gone unopposed and had conquered the world? Yeah, <laughs> I that's, hope not. That's a very but good that question. Can't be prevented without a military. Yeah. Yeah, there is the idea of a just war. Yes. Not that all wars are legitimate, but there are some that are unnecessary thing that has to be executed. Yeah. Um, it's a sad necessity, but it is a necessity sometimes, yeah. yes. The other day I was um, involved in helping my dad. Uh, he's getting some home infusion at, at his home. He's, he doesn't have to go to the hospital. IV and... Um, Everything used are, are plastics, and it's a marvelous yeah. blessing. Yeah. There's a way to, to do this with plastics and pressure, and uh, you don't even need a machine involved. It's, it's just remarkable, right. the advancements, and it allowed this senior yeah. to stay in his home and get the um, intravenous stuff that he needed in order to um, get healthier. And and mm-hmm. it was because of plastics, and that's directly because of the oil. And uh, there's an, an irony there, too, because it's pretty clear that uh, Mr. Roberts thinks that it's fine for people to, uh, to make a living as medical doctors, but not fine for people to make a living in the oil industry. Uh. The problem is that <laughs> medical doctors depend on products from the oil industry for... Right. Almost everything that they do. <laughs> so where, uh, how, are, how are medical doctors going to treat the ill if you don't have oil? Yeah, you know, this you comes can't. back to uh, almost like a bigger spiritual question, and that is, uh, what, what in life truly is sin according to a higher standard, God's standard? And for that, yeah. we should feel guilt and confess our sins to the Lord who's faithful and just to forgive our sins, um, as opposed to things that are arbitrarily foisted upon us that somehow are meant to make us feel guilty when God has given us freedom. We don't have to feel this guilt. 
Right, right. And you know, you just cited there First John 1, 9, which says that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's a, a wonderful verse to address the very issue of what is justice and how does it compare with grace? Because when we say that God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, are we saying that by justice, God owes us the forgiveness of our sins? Well, if that's the case, then our, our forgiveness is not a matter of God's grace. And so Paul is wrong to write that it is by grace that we have been saved through faith, and that not of ourselves it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, lest anyone should boast. Ephesians 2, 8 through, you know, through 9. Uh, so how do we understand this? Well, God is just to forgive us our sins because Christ died for us, and he told us that whoever trusts in him will have his sins forgiven. So God justly forgives us our sins because he's fulfilling the promise that he gave to Christ, that he would save any for whom Christ died and whom Christ brought to himself, to faith in himself. That's the justice. The grace in it is that although we didn't deserve this at all ourselves, Christ got it for us. So Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 8, uh, he who was rich, Christ who was rich, all for our sakes became poor that we through him might be made rich. Uh, And our riches are fundamentally the riches of the forgiveness of our sins and being put in right relationship with God. Amen. Amen. I think um, there's often a push to uh, try to uh, pit one person against another yes. and say, look, that person has a lot of wealth and you don't have much, and so therefore vote for me so we can equalize the playing field. Um, we really got to watch our hearts here um, because the we do. I, I think the attitude that God wants us to have is when we see someone who is wealthy, we should bless them and say, well, praise God. God has entrusted you with wealth, and I I don't want to get your wealth from you. If I work for you, I expect a fair pay, but other than that, praise the Lord, you're wealthy. I think that's that is freedom. That that frees us up to yes. enjoy life and have a lighthearted feeling about living on God's good earth. Yes. Yes, uh, uh, you you just touched on something that I think is really important, and that is the fundamental difference between a socialistic uh, economic order and a free market or capitalist economic order. The, The socialist economic order is what I call the violent means of exchange. The capitalist or free market economic order is what I call the peaceful means of exchange. In a free market economy, uh, I see that you have something that I would like to have. The only way I can get you to give that to me is by my offering you something that you want more than you want what you already have. Right. And the only way you can get me to give you what you want more than what you already have is by offering to give me something that I want more than, than what I already have. So that is totally peaceful. We will make the exchange only if both of us 
believe that we're going to be better off after the exchange than before it. In socialism, instead, if I see that you have something that I want, if I can't persuade you to give it to me, I can vote for somebody who will, in public office, pass a law that requires you to give it to me. And then, if you refuse to give it to me, you can be arrested, you can be charged, you can be tried, you can be convicted, you can be fined, you can be put in jail. And if you resist all of that, you can always be shot. And, you know, that's what we see has happened in socialism, true socialism, over and over again. The 20th century was, uh, was the horrific period of experimentations in socialism and socialist, that is, communist governments, uh, murdered over 100 million of their own people. And that doesn't include the people who died in the various wars. This is only those who were who were executed by their own governments because they refused to comply with the demands of socialism. Uh, and unfortunately, all too many of our, our millennials are not only too young to remember, but also too poorly educated to have learned that history. And so we see a lot of people saying, hey, I, I think some variety of socialism would be a good thing. Uh, that is, that's a tragic thing, and uh, it could turn into great, great sorrow for millions of people. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, a lot of the politicians uh, want to give things away and redistribute the wealth just so they can get elected. <laughs> and it's a, yeah. it's a sad yeah. state of affairs. Um, yeah. We're talking today with Dr. E. Calvin Beisner. And uh, before I forget... Can you tell us a little bit about the Cornwall Alliance for the Stewardship of Creation? Sure. We're a network of evangelical Christian scholars, roughly a third of them natural scientists, a third economists and policy wonks, and a third theologians, philosophers, ethicists, dedicated to educating the public and policymakers about biblical earth stewardship, uh, by which we mean enhancing the fruitfulness, the beauty, and the safety of the earth to the glory of God and the benefit of our neighbors, and economic development for the very poor, which we believe comes through a combination of private property rights, entrepreneurship, free trade, limited government, the rule of law, and access to abundant, affordable, reliable energy, which comes, most of it, from fossil fuels. And it's very sad that a lot of the environmental movement thinks that we need to uh, move away from fossil fuels to wind and solar because that's going to make energy more, more expensive and less reliable, which will result in slowing the rise out of poverty for billions and possibly even trapping them in poverty for generations to come. And then third, we want to educate people about the gospel of Jesus Christ, that sinners like me can be reconciled to the holy God by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, whose atoning death paid the penalty for my sins and whose resurrection was the Father's stamp of approval on that atoning work. So we try to do all three of those, and and actually that's how this topic of this this, uh, Adam Roberts' article uh, that, that prompted my article on a sad tale of a wealthy millennial's moral confusion is really related to Cornwall Alliance's work, uh, because when you embrace the ideas that he promotes in his article, 
you really embrace what is going to trap people in poverty for generations to come. Uh, that's very helpful. And um, this is a wonderful group, dear listener. And if you're inclined to support it, we would heartily recommend that. May I quickly mention, by the way, uh, Dan, if I can quickly follow up on that. Uh, for this particular topic, I've written a booklet called Social Justice versus Biblical Justice. And uh, if your listeners would go to cornwallalliance.org, that's cornwallalliance.org, and click on the donate button and make a donation of any size, no matter how small, and ask for that booklet, we'll be glad to send it to them totally free. And it'll be 100% tax deductible. Oh, that's beautiful. Excellent. So, um, lastly, uh, in the couple minutes remaining, um, people... kind of position this thing of socialism as in the terms like, oh, we want to help people. We want to give people that need things some relief, some nice stuff. Um, The Christian way of helping people is very low level, it seems to me, where we are instructed to help the poor, to remember those in prison. And this is very very much at a low level. It doesn't take place at the high level of government and putting laws in place and then basically stealing the money from the people and right. and determining right. who's going to win and who's going to lose type of thing. Do you have any comments on that? Well, you know, the early church in, in the book of Acts, in chapters 2 and 4, is described as a community in which people considered that everything that they owned, uh, they owned in trust under God to be used for the benefit of their brothers and sisters in Christ and of the poor around them, so that uh, Luke could write uh, that they held all things in common and that they were selling their possessions from time to time uh, and giving the proceeds uh, to the, uh, the deacons of the church uh, to, be, to be given to the poor so that no one had need, uh, so that all the needs were met. You know, Dan, if all of our churches would live up to that, if they would live that way, with people voluntarily uh, giving uh, for, uh, to, to meet the needs of, of those around them, our churches would be so attractive. Amen. People would be streaming into them. Uh, why? Because this is what reflects the gospel. Jesus didn't owe us dying for our sins. Amen. But Jesus did that out of his gracious love. And we don't owe the poor some portion of our wealth, but when we follow the, the example of Jesus and we give to help them in their need, that shows them Jesus. And of course, we have to combine that action with the words of the gospel, because it is the gospel itself that is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And so we need to have words and deeds wedded together. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, as we, as we pray and we, we submit ourselves to Him and trust in Him, that can be the case. Uh, that's a great way to end our discussion today. Uh, we've been talking with Dr. E. Calvin Beisner, and he is the founder and national spokesman of the Cornwall Alliance for the Stewardship of Creation. 
And uh, there's a lot of good content on that website. And one more time, Cal, can you give our listeners the website address so they could look that up? Yeah, that's Cornwall Alliance, all one word, cornwallalliance.org. Oh, that's simple. Dr. Beisner, my dear brother, thank you so much for fitting us in today. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. Well, thank you, Dan, and God bless you in your continued uh, service to the kingdom of Christ. And dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer. Worship you.